Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. We're back with Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. Lou, what's happening in news and last week and next week you've got lots of exciting stuff going on up there today no actually it's gotten quite boring up here there's not a whole lot of stuff <laughs> going on <laughs> that's a lie sorry folks uh last week's show we had uh, shane fox co-founder and ceo of link 3d company uh and we were discussing his software uh to streamline streamline and optimize additive manufacturing for companies of all sizes, uh, large, small. And he also has, it's it's an in-house solution, but he also has an outsource solution. And if you wish to outsource it through them, he's got 160 manufacturing centers across 32 countries with access to over a thousand printers producing pieces in more than uh, 200 different polymers and metals and uh, adhering to uh, ISO 18 and ITAR uh, requirements. And uh, these are either small runs or full production runs. Great stuff. Uh, if you're interested in getting involved in this and don't want to necessarily invest in your own uh, 3D printing, you might want to use it as an outsource uh, uh, activity and uh, see how it fares for you uh, before uh, making the investment, the time, the training, uh, and so on by using uh, Link3D. You might want to listen to the show. It was on the uh, 1024 uh, show that we had, and uh, it may give you some solutions. Um, We have uh, some news items uh, some of them are kind of quirky, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that in just a second here. Um, and, and I'm going to actually read part of this because I want to make sure that the NAM, National Association of Manufacturers, uh, President Jay Timmons, uh, that his words are not uh, distorted. So I'm going to read exactly what he said this past week regarding XM Bank. And it reads, quote, Scott Garrett, who's a senator in uh, Congress, uh, has a long and disgraceful record of trying to kill the XM Bank while showing no concern for the 1.4 million American jobs that XM Bank supports. Letting him lead the XM Bank is simply too big a risk for America's manufacturing workers. Again, that was stated by Jay Timmons, president and CEO of NAM. Good organization, which we happen to be also uh, members of. And uh, Tim is a real straight shooting uh, forward guy who doesn't hold back. Uh, In actuality, uh, the Senate Banking Committee is set to consider on Wednesday, uh, November 1, about whether or not uh, Jay Timmons, whether Scott Garrett is suitable and capable. 
of running XM Bank, which I can't imagine. And we, Tim and I have gone over this time and time again that we don't like talking politics because if we do, we lose half our audience. So we're, we, we don't like talking, but talking uh, about uh, politics. But in today's market in manufacturing, it's hard not to talk about politics. So here goes my political statement. What on earth possessed President Trump appointing Scott Garrett to be running XM Bank when he has a strong history of despising the group? I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's not the only cabinet uh, position that he's done that with, but this one is very serious. XM Bank is one of the um, departments within our government that actually generates a profit. Not many of them can say that. And Trump wanted Scott Garrett. So hopefully the Senate Banking uh, Committee will wind up destroying that possibility. Uh, moving on, uh, 3D printing. This is uh, quite amazing. In the Netherlands, uh, the, the first 3D printed uh, bridge, which actually is not the first. There was another one uh, somewhere in Europe. I forgot where. But this one's a concrete one. It's a 26-foot-long bridge, 26 foot long bridge um, and it's uh, under construction. It it's, uh, will be done in about three months from now. And actually, I have a photograph of it. It's a pretty slick bridge. It's uh, very new. Uh, you might uh, might want to go see it on uh, um, if you if you Google the world's first 3D printed bridge. This information just came out only two or three days ago. So it is uh, moving forward. We're going to see a lot more of 3D printing. Uh, uh, stuff that's going to be going on in our global economy. And uh, it's, it's really going to be great. Mr. Trump, President Trump, has imposed anti-dumping duties on Chinese aluminum foil. He's really putting his foot down. He's imposed last Friday, he imposed a 96.8% duty up to 162% duty on aluminum foil. That's quite a move. Uh, we'll see how, uh, how everybody's going to take to that. There's um, another story, and this one is real. This is the bizarre one I talked about a moment or so ago. It seems as though that there's an organization that is talking about robot rights, what rights do robots have? And um, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail on it because actually I wanted, we want to do a story on this um, on uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio. And um, there is a group who is beginning to create rights for robots. So I'm going to leave you in the, in the hanging on that one until we do some more research and do a story on it. But I really do think that this is uh, going to be a very interesting uh, point. Uh, corporations uh, has been uh, uh, defined as a legal person. So could a robot be considered a legal person? Um, I don't know. you got to watch out for the guys in Washington. 
They could do anything. But it is true. Corporations are considered for legal purposes as a person. Sounds like it's possible that robots could be considered a person. Um, I wonder if that means they get vacation and sick leave, which then destroys the whole point about robots. But we're going to leave that for now, and uh, we'll get back to it. You've got to listen for that. Uh, last, uh, last point, um, looks like our gross national product is uh, going to be coming in real strong for this year. Uh, the forecast, the final forecast is going to be 2.3. It's based on the fact that the second quarter and third quarter had uh, 3.1 and 3.0 for uh, those two quarters. The first quarter of the year of 2017 was 1.2. So the overall forecast is 2.3, and the overall forecast uh, that economists are projecting for 2018 is 2.6 and they can only make those forecasts when they're not on television doing the weather forecasts, which they are only 60% right. So um, we'll, we'll uh, have to see how that uh, plays out. Uh, Tim, back to you. Well, I can't wait for the show on robot rights, Lou. I know that the corporation being considered a person has to do with campaign finance, and they're trying to get that overturned now. So we'll, well see until what that they do happens. With robots. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they just came out with a new robot uh, about a, a week or two ago that has skin-like uh, uh, outside covering, uh, and within right. the skin are sensors that can sense a another human being either being touched or something or being seen. Uh, so uh, we're getting closer and closer to a real humanoid uh, individual. So um, once they start having rights, that means they probably will be able to strike, join a union, uh, or we might even have robot unions uh, or cobot Union. So we'll see how it plays out. It's going to be a fun story. Okay. Well, now let's get to our guest. We're here with Nicole Walter, who's president and CEO of HM Manufacturing. She has a background in engineering and finance, and she is uh, the second generation, if I have it right, Nicole, of HM Manufacturing. And we're all interested to hear how you got there. So welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the radio. And give us some background, Nicole, on, you know, we, you don't have to go from birth to uh, HM Manufacturing, but give us an idea of how you got involved with HM Manufacturing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in 2009, I was leaving university in the middle of a massive recession. Um, my father was having a lot of issues at the company. Um, losing a lot of money every month, didn't know if he was going to keep his doors open, uh, had to let go a few of employees. So he called and said, I know you're looking for a job. Um, I could use you. You're personable. You seem like you'd be great in sales. You've grown up in the industry. You know what you're talking about. So I, I'd love to try something different. Um, I agreed, but there was a caveat to it. 
and it was, I need <laughs> you to go and get kicked around a bit at another job. So um, I went uh, to downtown Chicago for a securities firm and uh, worked uh, for the accounting department and uh, started to do some sales there as well. And after about a year, I got fired. Um, not surprised, I'm a bit of a spitfire. And I didn't really like how he was running his business and uh, <laughs> called my dad and said, I'm available. Do you want me? And uh, it couldn't have come at a better time because now it was the latter half of uh, 2009 and the company was in, in dire straits. So I came on board. I started at the very bottom, kind of doing secretarial work, um, putting in time cards, doing invoices. That led to... Um, doing more of the quoting uh, than sales and then operations. And then during that time, um, while I was doing quoting and, and kind of circle, circling back, trying to figure out, you know, why was there so much scrap? Why was there, um, you know, thing, things were taking too long. So a simple huff pulley out of 1215 steel, only four pieces and a two-inch diameter now was taking five hours to produce. And it's not like we don't have CNC machines. Everything we have in our shop is CNC related, so it shouldn't have taken so long. So I started to, to go back and I started to assess what's happening. And all the while, here we are in, in a very bad situation, losing money. Um, and with five months left of capital, we finally found out in 2011 that um, a competitor of ours, was surfacing and they were cutting us at the knees with pricing within pennies and they uh -oh. kept coming to all our clients yeah it was it was an interesting situation and lo and behold um, I hired a private investigator and it was all the guys out in my shop Wow Wow so wow. yeah that started the whole fiasco of really getting my feet wet at HM and something that was probably supposed to only be a year or two to help my dad get out of the out of the trenches, it ended up being my entire career path because I I didn't want to I didn't want to leave. I wanted to to be in there with my dad, and um, we had obviously had to fire everybody. We had nobody out in our shop, and um, with literally five months of capital left. Um, my dad and I, from 5 in the morning till midnight, had to relearn how to turn on a machine, how to run CNC machinery, read these manuals, um, start interviewing. And it was difficult considering the fact that during that time, um, all these layoffs, people that were in manufacturing decided that they were just going to take a completely different career path. They wanted nothing to do with that. So it was difficult trying to find qualified help. And I know that you know, even today we struggle trying to, to find good help um, with the skills gap and everything of that nature. So uh, doing, doing the interviews, trying to run the machinery, call existing customers and explain the situation, and also uh, calling your, 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 the last customers that left you for, for those price gouges. Uh, it was a it was a difficult time. So in five months, we were able to pull it around. Thank God. That's quite an amazing uh, story. Uh, unfortunately, not not all that uncommon. So you wound up uh, earning your stripes by uh, really being in the trench. Uh, I, I commend you. 
Thank you. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was is a ball to the wall type deal, and I mm. and I had to be I had to be smart. I had to step back, start to figure out what are the issues. Um, I went to go get certified for NIMS. I went to Precision Machining, um, and I went for CAD. And I'm now certified in AutoCAD and SolidWorks. So I wanted to be very versed, uh, just in case. And I didn't want this to happen ever again. So I, I decided it was time to go get smart. And I handled the front of the office, and now new employees had to sign an NDA and a non-compete and, you know, restructuring your handbook and your, your safety manuals to make sure that, that we were now compliant and, and had structure and we had procedures because that is what we were lacking before. Well, you made a real, real company out of it, uh, the way real companies are uh, supposed to run today. Uh, full documentation and so on. Are you uh, uh, also uh, ISO at this point? Have you gotten we your are ISO? Yes, Excellent. ISO and uh, AS9100. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, my, manu- my manufacturing company, All Metals and Forge Group, we've been ISO'd since 1994. Uh, so we were real early adopters and as you know, uh, being ISO registered uh, makes a significant difference in the way you uh, operate your business and uh, also prevent things that happen in business from happening, uh, in, including including what you what you went through. So, my I, as I say, my hat is off to you. Thank you. I Let's appreciate talk, that. What is it that HM uh, does? In so your, we. Uh, so we are a custom precision machining facility, and we focus on uh, timing belt pulleys, gears, shivs, splines, and shafts. Mm. We'll have our sales department call you. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Uh, Nicole, you you went through the process of releasing all of your employees in the shop, Mm -hmm. and you had to work the shop. What do you do now in terms of training employees? Because the the experience I think that you're having, which many manufacturers are having, is that the people who experienced the 2008 downturn left the industry. There's new blood coming into the industry, but you almost have to drag it in the door kicking and screaming. So what's the training Very true. Like? So the tra- so what's interesting is I have a very young crew now. Um, and I think the youngest guy is, is 20 and the oldest in my shop is 40. So I've got a young crew. Um, what we do is um, for our hiring process, we, we see what their, what their skills are, if they're good with math, have they been around machinery. Um, we kind of work them from shipping to flanging, to key seating, trying to see if they can grasp that. And if they show signs Mm -hmm. of being able to handle that, um, we then start them on the manual ways. And, you know, being on the uh, advisory board for McHenry High School in Illinois, that also helps feed some of these kids into my shop uh, because they have a wonderful manufacturing program. And um, I'm also a board member for the TMA Education Foundation, and uh, we work exclusively 
with high schools trying to get these, these kids trained and having a wonderful program. And through that, uh, we send our employees at least one or two a year to the TMA training facility for um, advanced G-code, for MILS, uh, for CAD-CAM. So we like to keep our guys uh, very up-to-date on the trends and the technologies. And, Nicole, it's not just uh, guys on the line. I understand that you are a mentor to uh, young girls and women in manufacturing. I am. That's a very special and dear program for me. Um, being on the advisory board and the Education Foundation for TMA, um, it's nice to go to these, these high schools and, and work with these women and these young girls in the STEM programs and try to show them how I started out and that you know manufacturing isn't what it is today. Everyone still still has this, this stigma that it's dirty, it's unclean, you can't see through the windows, it's a, a right. mess on the floor, right? And it's it's the absolute opposite. Um, and and it's not just women in, in machining. You know, there's engineers. You need uh, you need CAD. There's so many different facets. To manufacturing and, and I try to get these girls and, and try to get it across that there are different avenues to take and you know there was a, a wonderful article that I read the other day that um, college isn't for everyone and it doesn't need to be and that's what we need to to keep voicing is that there's other ways to go about filling jobs and we need that and especially manufacturing well you bring up an interesting point about it's more than just running a machine on the factory floor where you have chips dropping on the ground. That there, you know, engineering is a, a huge area of importance, and it's going to be a growing area of importance. What is the reaction of these uh, high school girls when you're talking to them about manufacturing? You know, they're excited. I have seen programs in high schools where I see uh, sophomores already doing 3D modeling. And that to me is impressive because I just learned mm. it not too long ago. And um, I see more girls in these classes than the guys. The guys are automatically doing their precision machining, their welding, uh, they're forming, they're grinding, they're playing on, on the machines and, and learning and having a great time. Whereas the girls take more interest in the CAD aspect of things. And, and it's fun to see them excited building projects, 3D modeling, and then going to the maker bots and start the 3D printing. So they see something physical of what they've been able to make on the software. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah. There's nothing in manufacturing quite like being able to see and touch that which came out of your head. Exactly. And it's uh, seeing that it's, it's a sense of pride for them. And you can see them beaming and they get excited. And an, another area of interest for the girls is welding. So it's nice to see the variations and what people really latch on to. And uh, me as an employer, it excites me. Me as a woman in manufacturing, it excites me. And so I try to do whatever I can to help these kids prosper in manufacturing. Well, it's and prosperous that you mentioned welding. It's interesting that you mentioned welding because uh, very shortly we're going to be launching a new 
show called Women and Manufacturing. And our first guest is Anna Hess, who is one of the original Rosie the Riveters. And we were at a conference, Lou and I, I think it was FabTech, when we were talking was to the International, yeah. so- uh, International Association of Welders. And I said, you guys have to come up with Wendy the Welder posters. <laughs> oh, how fun. <laughs> so I think there's an opportunity in manufacturing to promote what women can do in manufacturing because it's it's literally everything. It used to be, you know, a, a man's world, but that began to change a bit when all the men went off to war in World War II and three million women went into the manufacturing workforce. And Absolutely. now we're gonna see the next we're gonna see the next wave because there's only twenty seven percent of of manufacturing is female employees. So I'm glad you're involved in it. Anything that you're looking at in the in the near future that you know gets you really excited about manufacturing and the intrigue of it? Um, you know, it's so innovative. I, I love the the robots. I love the 3D printing, um, all this additive manufacturing. Just going to INTS every two years, it's like I, I'm a kid in the candy shop. These new machines <laughs> that they're they're bringing to life. You know, they're more robust more power, Um, you know, a lot of our customers that we service are in the food processing, beverage, and packaging. And just to be able to see what they're able to engineer, um, one of our clients uh, does the chicken McNuggets for McDonald's, and they pound out 18,000 pounds of chicken McNuggets an hour. I mean, it makes your head spin. And it's just this this sheer, um, it's just, it's exciting and it's and it's fun, and I love being a part of it, and uh, just to be able to give back and and also share with my employees what we do, and they get to see. We've gone to some tours, and, and I, I think that they take pride when they get to see what those components go into. Um, and so I, I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for more women in manufacturing. I see it more and more every day. Uh, I just in Illinois itself. I see more trade schools coming up and having a manufacturing program in high schools. And being able to speak on behalf of manufacturing is, is a great it's a great start. Not even to mention the women's sector of our population are smarter. <laughs> hey now. <laughs> they are they they are smarter. They they are using uh certain emotional uh, electronics from their brain to be able to create stuff. Uh, what you did by uh, with your father's company, uh, uh, basically turning it around. Uh, that that's a, that's a major uh, major event, and and it sounds like you were pretty much a a, a kid in your twenties when you did it. Absolutely, I, I was twenty five. Yeah, I faced adversity head on. <laughs> That's always a good thing. Uh, That's terrific. By the way, is your father still at all involved in the business? Absolutely. He's my chief operating officer, and um, Ah. I'm very thankful and blessed to have him. Uh, He's a great mentor. He's uh, someone that provides an enormous amount of advice when I need it. And his wisdom, you just can't get anywhere else. You know, I am just a, a little baby still trying to figure out this whole game in manufacturing and to be able to bounce off my problems or 
you know, get any kind of advice from him is, is absolutely paramount. Yeah, that's one of the problems of multi-generational companies where the knowledge base, a lot of the knowledge base is uh, usually lost uh, when a person uh, retires or or unfortunately passes away. Uh, So that's that's a major thing that you're doing now in preparing for the uh, business continuity. Uh, Again, I tip my hat off. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. It's um it's working for us. It's nice to have him there. He he shows up every day, even on the weekends. I, I couldn't fire him even if I wanted to. He'll never retire. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to take a short commercial break, and we'll be back with Nicole Walter, who is president and CEO of HM Manufacturing after this. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment, components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials? 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason ThomasNet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to ThomasNet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. And welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Here We're here with Nicole Walter, who's president and CEO of HM Manufacturing. been having a very interesting discussion with her on how she rescued her father's company that was in a very serious situation and not only you know, brought it out of the situation, but really made it into a 21st century manufacturer. Nicole, what were some of the technology and engineering processes that you changed to move the company from the 20th century into the 21st century? Uh, We invested in a few pieces of technology. One of them was going to SolidWorks, uh, and the second one was our new ERP system. That was a massive overhaul. Uh, With the new ERP system, it was live tracking. Everything is scanned. You knew where your products were at every given stage, and it held people accountable to quote times to uh, manufacturing time, and also to really see if they were punching in at a certain time. They could no longer fudge that. So it it kept our lead times um, down to a standard of of four to five weeks, depending if there was an outside service or not. And and it kept people accountable, and that was what the company really needed at that time. Oh, that's great. It's called called taking control. 
Exactly. No, I was saying that it's it's called taking control and making it happen. And unfortunately, you had to do it the hard way, where you got rid of all of your employees. That's that's uh, a difficult decision. Uh, been been in that place myself. Yes, it's not easy. No, it's not. It's never pleasant to let people go if it's the whole staff or if it's just a couple of people or even one person. Uh, historically, I've found over the years that it's oftentimes the best thing that ever happened to them, that they move in a new direction in their life because they weren't really very happy where they were in the first place. It was a, a job and a paycheck and comfort, but it's not really where they wanted to be. And, you know, you were talking about manufacturing, Nicole. We certainly at Manufacturing Talk Radio are going to look forward to anything we can do with you to remove the stigma of what people have in their head when they envision manufacturing to what it is today. Is there anything in particular that you're doing with the advisory boards or the internships to begin to dispel the notion? Absolutely. Um, I invite the parents. I think it is crucial and imperative to get the parents involved because ultimately they're making decisions on behalf of their children still. So I invite them. I encourage them. I give them a tour of my shop, my facilities. I answer any of their questions. And then, of course, when I go on uh, the speaking engagements for the Education Foundation and the advisory boards, um, we invite the parents as well. And, and get the counselors involved in the teachers because it's all that outside influence that affects the child. Oh, Lou, this she is a hot be, button issue. She, Go. Yeah, you bet. I, I'm all jumping through the microphone here. Uh, <laughs> Tim, you were. Tim and I, I really, I, I've been jumping up and down now. Uh, <laughs> you're 100% right. We've been saying that right along, that the, the prime mover here is the parents. And uh, it, it's 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 critical that the parents have a realistic perception of the way the world is today, and that the bachelor's degree may not be the route for their uh, little Johnny or Susie. And uh, it, it's it's really great. Uh, Tim and I actually did a an event here in New Jersey called uh, Makers uh, Makers Things. And it was held in every public library in the state of New Jersey on a particular Saturday morning. And uh, we were there, and we set up our booth, and we interviewed some of the creators of projects and manufacturing who were all between the ages of 8 and 18. And uh, it, it was amazing. And here's the second part that was even more amazing. We, we, had, a, we had asked local uh, uh, media companies, radio stations, and so on, uh, to come in also. And they said, well, you know, if, if, there's, if, it's, not a, if it's a slow news day, we'll, we'll consider it. Meanwhile, there were 80,000 people throughout the state that morning that were involved in manufacturing by going to these libraries with their kids and other wow. people. It was just unbelievable, and it was really great. Uh, it, was, it was one of the better better events that I really, truly enjoyed. And the parents were really quite amazing. Matter of fact, we were breaking down our booth at a point, and, the, one of the, and I talked to almost every one of the uh, – interviewed every one of the kids. One I didn't for whatever the reason. And the mother comes over, and she sees we're you know, breaking down, and she says, could you – 
could you possibly interview my son? Because he's going to be heartbroken if not. So I, sure, Aww. no problem. And you know, so this woman really bought into it, hook, line, and sinker. And by the way, he won for the state the most creative uh, art piece uh, that was related to manufacturing. So I'm glad that I did get him uh, on the show, and it turned out he won. So that was wow. really great. So you're right. Parents, parents are the cru- crucial factor. Absolutely, they are. Well, so, Nicole, so uh, anything? Uh, go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. No, no, sorry. That's fine. Uh, Nicole, is, is there anything that uh, you're encountering right now that's still a difficulty? Do you still grapple with the skills gap? I know we hear about it constantly. Uh, is it still as challenging as it has been over the last couple of years? Uh, the short answer, yes, and a very definitive yes. Um, the problem is that even though you can get these kids started in high school, um, mm-hmm. I still don't believe they see the value in having a long-term job in manufacturing, um, specifically maybe on the machining side. Uh, not engineering, but on the machining side. And and I say that because uh-huh. I have a story that involves a very brilliant kid um, from McHenry High School, and he just was a whiz in everything. He knew how to run every machine. He could do manuals. He could do CNC. He could do the mills. He was already working on the optical comparator. He could run that, as well as the CMM. And he, I knew he had a bright, shining future. He was someone that could easily have been a foreman, um, and he had great people skills. The problem was, is when he was done as a senior, he decided, well, that was fun. I'm going to go to college. And that kind of blew my mind because I, I wasn't expecting that. And here I was thinking, great, I get to get another kid in here. He could start training. Um, it would be a wonderful addition to the workforce and to manufacturing. Uh, and he decided to go a different route. So... That's another thing we struggle is trying to get them committed that after they've done the four years or three years, however it's established in these schools for their programs, is to convert them over to a full-time job in manufacturing. And so I don't know if, if it's something where they think, oh, this is fun, this is just an elective, but now I want to go be in the real world uh, and, and go to college. So that's what we're struggling with at this time is trying to convert them over. And am I hearing that the machine? I'm sorry. I was just going to. Hey, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) We're all jumping through the phones. Yeah, because it's such an exciting uh, conversation with you, Nicole. Am I hearing (laughs) that the machines are in, in the high school? And they're working yes. on the machines in the high school? Okay. They are. So there's different trajectory paths that uh, these schools have in place. So um, some, like I said, are just designed for CAD. Others have CAD as well as manual machines. Others have CAD, manual machines, welding, and then grinding. So it's a very robust program. Um, a lot of these schools have taken upon themselves to go to the surrounding manufacturers and ask what it is that they're, they're missing. 
And everybody keeps saying it's, you know, I don't have a programmer for CNC. I don't have a programmer for mill or grinding or welding. There's, there's so much of a shortage. So these schools have decided to, to get these machines in place. And, you know, the Education Foundation for TMA, um, to date, we've, we've donated $1.5 million in grants. So that has helped um, the surrounding schools in Illinois be able to capture these machines and purchase whatever it is that they need every year. We don't, we don't decide, oh, sorry, one year you've done this, we can't give you another. We actually encourage these high schools to come with a plan or multi-year plan. So one year it would be you know, a, a manual machine, and next year it could be a mill. So we, we encourage that. I guess the school board has to be sold on that. <clears throat> oh, that's massive. That's number one. You have to have that superintendent and principal. Everyone has to be in line. Yes. Sure, sure. Uh, it happened uh, a couple of years ago that we went to uh, Manufacturing Day, and uh, we decided that we were going to go to one of the local high schools and get 15 kids and uh, you know, bus them down to the event, and then we interviewed them, and you know, showed them what's what manufacturing is all about. And uh, the ones, the first school that I called was a high school, and uh, I did get to speak to the uh, uh, director of the school, and I, I my, the answer that I got was that we are an academic school, we have academic students, and they're probably all going to go into college and not manufacturing so they politely turned me down meanwhile mm -hmm. the stat for uh, college kids to, that do not graduate is 40 percent so wow. somewhere along somewhere along the line it has been a either a bad decision or financial issues was it 60 70,000 dollars a year to go to college wow. yeah it is, right. and that's funny right. because I, I've seen a graph that literally shows the trajectory of kids going to college versus kids coming out of high school going straight into manufacturing. And, you know, they start at $16 an hour, and then by the time that they're done in four years, they're making about, you know, at least $55,000, $60,000, depending on, on how well you've done throughout the years. And then you see the kids from college, and they're at a hundred, hundred thousand easy in debt. And here, these other kids are, are profitable and, and making good money. Yeah, so, matter of fact, matter of fact, the uh, the, the average uh, manufacturer uh, is earning today seventy seven thousand dollars. That takes into account, of course, those who have been in it for decades, and also the newbies. But it's right. You don't come out of college making $77,000 a year today. <laughs> no, you're a barista at Starbucks. That's what seems to happen these days. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> Nicole, you have mentioned a couple of times during the show here the TMA Education Foundation. Would you share with our listeners what that is? So uh, it's Technology Manufacturing Association. Um, it is a big association here in Illinois, um, and it services manufacturers in Illinois helping lobby down in the state because Illinois is, is so infamous for loving manufacturers. So um, they help lobby for the state to help with manufacturing, uh, also garner a network 
for all of us to uh, get together, talk about our problems. They hold networking events for uh, marketing, for sales, insurance. It's a, it's a great group. Um, and then on the other side, they have the Education Foundation, and that is solely just for the schools. How many schools are they involved with? Um, good question. The more the merrier. Right now, we have about 32 high schools, and it, the list keeps growing. Um, now that it seems popular and trendy to be in manufacturing, a lot more high schools have come in to ask for grant money. And so the list keeps growing, and we're hoping the list just continues on. But as of right now, we're at 32. It's actually a very strong number. Yes, it is. How long has TMA been doing this? Oh, good question. Uh, At least, let's see. Uh, Yeah, you know what? I don't know. Um, Many years. Okay. (laughs) I'll have to find that information. It's terrible that I don't even know that. But um, I know the foundation has been over 100 years. So I'm going to assume, without trying to shoot myself in the foot, that it's it's been around for for quite some time, at least forty years. Well, that's great. I'm glad to hear that they're doing such great work. Uh, Nicole, anything else that you would like to share with our listeners as we begin to wrap up this segment? Uh, you know, I've I'm always intrigued when I go into manufacturing plant, and I get to actually watch some of this amazing machinery and what it does, and machine-to-machine movement of, of uh, parts in progress. Uh, it's really a, just a fascinating environment to walk into. Uh, you don't have to walk in in a hazmat suit. You, you, don't right. have, uh, rubber wa- you don't have rubber waders up to your chest because you're walking through uh, nuclear goo. Uh, they're cl- these are mostly clean room operations, brightly lit. Uh, you could eat off the floor. Um, yeah. What else can you share with our listeners about manufacturing? Because it's a cool place to be. It is a cool place. Um, I guess my advice would be, since everyone keeps talking about the skills gap and, and the shortage, is to find your local high school and get on their advisory board. Um, I think it, if everybody could take some kind of ownership and, and try to help the next generation, it would greatly benefit our industry. And do most high schools have an advisory board that a representative from a manufacturer can join in on? Um, I know for Illinois we do. I can't say for mm-hmm. other states. But I think just right. going to the principal and, and figuring out how they could get involved, um, whether it's career fairs or, or talking to students um, that are a part of an engineering class or STEM, I think that would be very beneficial. Oh, great. Well, that's uh, a great piece of advice, and I think one well-serving. Uh, Lou? Uh, uh, Nicole, I, I think this is uh, great information. Uh, I love your passion. Uh, it, it, gets, uh, it gets me excited to hear somebody else who has passion. Uh, Tim and I have been doing manufacturing talk radio uh, for four years now, and uh, I could there say that we've only been turned down, I think, twice by someone not wanting to come onto the show and tell the story and get it out to the uh, the audience uh, and our, our our listenership uh, because it is 
uh, interesting topics. It's not topics that you're going to hear um, on uh, mainstream media, even though there is more of it now since uh, since the election. Uh, yeah. But that said, for the most part, they still don't get into the, the – they're, they're into broad-based conversations. I think that what we do is we, we bring – a little bit narrower focused into very different uh, areas, specific areas, like talking to a manufacturer, like talking uh, uh, about insurance and advertising and marketing and so on, all directed at manufacturers. Because we know that, and I know because I've been in manufacturing for over 50 years, that there's um, there's a lot to learn and people are busy yeah. running their businesses. So uh, we try and do what we do, and you do what you do, and that's really great. And uh, we'd like to hear more from you. And uh, I'm, I'm going to flip it back to Tim. Thanks, Lou, and thank you, Nicole, for being with us today. We certainly have enjoyed what you've shared with our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. It's our and pleasure. we've been listening to Nicole Walter. Uh, chatting with Lou and I. She's the president and CEO of HM Manufacturing. If uh, those listeners out there need some great uh, milling or lathing or CNC work done, we encourage you to get a hold of HM Manufacturing. You can find them at www.hmmanufacturing.com. If you want to shoot Nicole an email, it's nicole.walter, that's W-O-L-T-E-R, at hmmanufacturing.com. Check out their website, see what you need done by this great company in Illinois. I'm sure they can service the entire country with what they do. And thanks for listening to this segment of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We'll be back uh, after these commercial messages. Well, that, was, that was a terrific show, uh, Nicole, and uh, thanks for being on the show. Uh, let's talk about next week's show. Uh, we do have on November uh, 7, the official show, for the ISM, the Institute of Supply uh, Management, the Manufacturing Business Survey, and the PMI number for the month of October. I am guessing, I, I'm going to risk, I'm going to do what economists do. I'm going to risk that the number is going to be slightly higher than last month's number, which I believe was 60.8. Does that uh, ring a bell, Tim? I think that's the right number. I, I think that's the right number. I think it's going to be higher. So we're going to have Tim Fiore, who's the chair of ISM, uh, the Manufacturing Business Survey. He'll be on. We're going to have uh, our humorist economist, Chris Keel, uh, managing director for Armada Corporate Intelligence, and also the chief economist for the FMA. And we're going to have uh, Anthony Nieves, who's the chair of the ISM for non-manufacturing uh, business survey, to give us the non-manufacturing PMI for uh, October. Uh, one last point. Uh, I want to remind everybody that we do have a new show coming up, and you'll be able to get it through for now, uh, mfgtalkradio.com. And you'll see the logo for WAM, Women and Manufacturing. It's a show about women for women. And uh, it's going to prove to be a, a great show. Our first uh, guest in the inaugural show is Anna Hess, who is one of the Rosie the Riveters from the early 1940s. 
She's now almost 90 years old. Uh, we, we are going to have a great conversation with her. She's going to tell us her life story. She was honored by the King and Queen of the Netherlands. She was honored at the White House. She's been honored at, uh, at, the, at the U.S. Congress. And she's going to be honored at WAM, Women and Manufacturing, a spinoff of Manufacturing Talk Radio. So, so that should be really great. And uh, ladies, we have a, almost a 30% listenership from ladies There's 51% of you in the population, so we're looking to get our women listenership up. Listen to Wham! Women and Manufacturing. Tim? Well, it's always a great show. Uh, We did have the opportunity to interview Anna Hess, and that's a terrific interview. You all need to tune into that. It's really a walk through history of what's been happening since a 15-year-old girl left a dirt-poor family farm to go into manufacturing during uh, early World War II. So tune in for that. Be, stay tuned for all of our shows at msgtalkradio.com. Keep your eyes open for a change in the homepage. You're going to see the Women in Manufacturing logo pop up. We've got some very exciting things happening there. We've got a couple of interviews already coming up that are going to be terrific. So, again, join us often at mfgtalkradio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll be back again with you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.